Presenting sponsor for today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, welcome to the latest edition to Hear That Podcast Ground. And Paul Leder Jr. Jay Morrison of The Athletic are, are with you, along with the Bengal Boys' new, new intro for us. Now, I, I feel like I should have been singing along with it. Uh, right off the top, it should have been HTPG, right? I feel like that's what comes next. That's what that's what would have come next on that YMCA intro. I was waiting for it. I was even going to think if I could figure out how to do the hand signals. Uh, but thanks to the Bengal boys for some some new some new stuff for this season. The G would be really hard. Yeah. I, I think we'd we'd need a couple yoga classes to work that one out. Yeah, I don't know if I stretch like that anymore, but I, I, I could try. I could try. Uh, but thanks to them for, for some, some new intro, and, and I think we're going to keep some of those rolling, some new ones. You never know what you're going to get uh, when you show up here, but l- look out for them. I think they're doing new videos and everything uh, for before every game. If you don't, you should follow them, Bengal boys. Um, we got some news to get to. Ricardo Allen, uh, Sean Davis, Trent Irwin, Eli Apple, all in the news. Joe Mixon, Evan McPherson with some awards. We're going to talk about injury reports. We're going to update you on Joe Burrow's knee. Everyone's staring at Joe Burrow's knee. What's going on with Joe Burrow's knee? <laughs> uh, and we're going to do a little bit of an offensive line assessment, also in a story that's going to be up soon. Uh, on the website, which by the way, uh, Jay, you you've got a story up now. Um, just kind of digging into the three safety sets and some of the stuff happening in the secondary that what will happen next without Ricardo Allen. Uh, the 50% off new subscription promotional deal running out soon, so make sure you get to that. Go click on the link uh, and subscribe if you've been thinking about it. This is the best deal. It's going to run out really soon. Please go get in now on any of our stories. You can click the links and, and sub. Um we got Kevin Fishbane from Chicago, our beat writer for the Bears, who's awesome and going to talk about the Andy Dalton, Justin Fields phenomenon and the beard and so many things that's happening. Uh, their offensive line, so many similarities when you start talking about these two teams. It's like just, you know, uh, Andy Dalton can win some games and this offensive line is really not that bad. It's, oh, I mean, it might be average maybe. Like, I, it's just like I, I, it, it takes me to that like place of home covering a team uh talking with kevin fishbane uh we're gonna have some run passer boots a new growler bet for you make some predictions as we preview sunday's game at chicago and i talk about things like pizza and brats and delicious beer and lake views things like that yeah i kind of dropped the ball there and asking didn't ask kevin for any restaurant recommendations although i feel like you're gonna have more shots to do that than me it feels like you you gotta either go Lou Malnati's or Dior, I can't even say the other one. And I'm not going to go there because I had a bad experience with that restaurant in Indianapolis. <laughs> and I know you're not supposed to hold grudges, but I hold grudges. So hold a grudge. I'm, I'm voting for Lou Malnati's on Saturday night. Hey, that's that's why uh, I never go. I have not gone to Potbelly uh, in like a decade <laughs> because of one bad ordering experience. Uh, and, that's, and that's just the way things go. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the news we've got. Ricardo Allen has a broken hand and a hamstring issue, uh, and he goes on IR. Uh, Jay, as you wrote about, you know they, they ran a lot of three safety sets, used him a lot more than we anticipated. He wasn't just some backup safety. He had a real role in where they would put him and Jesse Bates in the back and drop Vaughn Bell up to be a little bit more physical in the run game and, and kind of have that hybrid player. Um, so it, we'll see what they where they go from there. You can read more about where we think they will go from there in Jay's piece. Um, Sean Davis, who played for the – you might remember him from his time with the Steelers. He's kind of bounced around. He was released out the practice squad of the Colts um, this past week. He is added to the practice squad. Trenton Irwin is up onto the 53 as the sixth receiver. Um, and you've got – I, we'll see what happens on game day. They could call up Sean Davis. They could call up Trayvon Henderson. Um, we'll, or they could just not even bring up a fourth safety. Uh, we'll we'll see what they do. But my my, I would say right now I'd probably lean towards them calling up Trayvon Henderson. But uh, time will tell what happens there. But the ex- expectation they're hoping that Allen will be back after the minimum three weeks on IR with the hand, the hamstring they didn't think would have kept him out three. Um, but we'll, we'll see how long it is till we see him back. But it's not like some season-ending thing. Um, 
Joe Mixon won the your FedEx Ground Player of the Week. I know that's exciting. People really love tracking the FedEx Ground Player of the Week <laughs> awards. Um, leads the NFL or leads AFC in rushing. Evan McPherson was the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Please let me have one six-week run of professional success in my life like Evan McPherson has had. Game ball, special teams player of the week, dominating camp, just hitting bombs from everywhere, just shows up and he's getting carried off the field and an NFL game is over first walk-off. I mean, this dude is just, he's a saint right now. He's a hero. He's hes going to be like up next to the genus of water on Fountain Square before you know it in like a kicking bronze statue. I mean, it's just like what a what a what a run for for Evan. He's probably filming a Skyline commercial as we speak. <laughs> he looks like a nice little Skyline guy. He looks like the people that work at Skyline. Like, that's just it. He looks like he should be serving the conies, not in the commercial. I mean, he's just this young pup who's just here, just hitting bombs and, you know, cool as cool as the other side of the pillow. When when he looks like he should be serving conies to you at Skyline. God bless his heart. Uh, so we got that injury report news. Um, you got Darius Phillips uh, showed up as they, they, they went with a double walkthrough on Wednesday. Still kind of feeling the after effects of Sunday's practice, Sunday's game where you played five quarters and the defense was up in 83 snaps. And some guys were dinged. I mean, Burroughs got his like has his knee thing. So I think they were they went a little easier with plans on just kind of having one real day of practice on Thursday to get themselves ready for the game against Chicago. And you know, Jay, once you've won one game, why practice anymore? Like why even practice yeah. at all? You got it. I mean, you're good. <clears throat> Just keep it rolling. Right. Yeah. We always heard about victory Monday. Now. I mean, now you get victory Wednesday. You basically get a half day <laughs> on Wednesday, but it does make sense. It wasn't just the the length of the game. It was the heat. Um, and, and it's a longer season now, you know, 17 games instead of 16, uh, it's just getting going. These guys hardly played in the preseason at all. And then you go out and, and put in that kind of workload on a Sunday. It, it kind of makes sense. It never would have happened even five years ago, but it's just, it's just a new world in the NFL. And, and, you know, Zach embraces all of the kind of the, the new thinking of, of head coaches these days. And, um, I was a little surprised by it, but, but not wasn't a head shaker it made sense on, on a number of areas long season and yeah. you got 18 weeks now and all that stuff if you can sneak in uh something like that i guess you do it i mean it, it, he is i mean i remember his opening press conference we're gonna believe in having the freshest team on sundays and that's gonna be we've you know i think that's the new that is the new wave of of thought is that freshness and under you know it's not like when you're doing two walkthroughs you're still going through the mental work mm -hmm. of understanding what you need to do but it's focused on freshness when it actually comes time to play on Sundays and that's very much the new school line of thought and part of what the NFLPA's argument was with less preseason with less work in training camp all that stuff is because they point to look it's proven that the the level of play has not gone down because you're missing these things and it's more about players staying fresh and staying healthy. So, so be it. Um, but so you've got that let's, um, Joe Burrow on the injury report, uh, with his knee, um, enlisted as a knee. And, and it was originally thought up as an ankle, but it, it, it appeared, you know, when you really look at it and it, you know, it kind of got landed on his knee and that was, looks like is more of where he was feeling the soreness, but he says, Look, yeah, I was sore after the game, or the next day I felt a little sore in the knee, but today I feel great, and I feel as bad, as good as I have any time in camp. So, and, and he was listed as would have been a full participant in practice with that knee. So all things seem to be fine. We'll see what, how, he, how much he actually, what he's listed on Thursday and, and if he's listed at all for Sunday's game, but he says no limitations in practice should be all good to go. No worries there, but you know, sore knee after the first game and, and some of that's to be expected, but some of that's also because of almost 300 pound man laid on it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, if, if that's going to come up, that's what you want is him landing on the knee. You don't want him getting hit on the knee. You don't want it torquing on a cut or a plant, something like that. And I, he did kind of get after he got taken down, kind of twisted. And I think that's where the ankle roll came, but I was watching him at practice yesterday closely. Well, at the walkthrough, it wasn't a practice and it was 
basically special teams for the 30 minutes we were out there. But when, when that period ended and the offense came over to the field, the main field, uh, Burrow ran over there and no hint of a limp or anything. And, you know, another part of, I think why, I don't know if this affected Zach's plan or not, but it, it, it made sense too. Yesterday was a really rainy day and you're out on the grass and that's the last thing you want is these guys going full speed and, you know, getting another soft tissue injury somewhere they've had their share of hamstrings and that type of thing. So, um, I, I at the moment don't have any worries about Joe Burrow. He, he looked to be moving fine. We walked him, we watched him walk up to the podium yesterday, no hint of a limp or anything. And then again, like I said, running from one field to the other looked like there was no issue. Yeah, and I and I don't, you know, you don't know for sure until you get out there. But I, it, it, all things appear to be fine there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're a guy who's coming off that, your last thing you want is to feel sore the next day. I'm sure that there's been some nervous moments, but the fact that he at least says that he's feeling absolutely fine now and is a full participant uh, is a good thing, but, you know, something to keep an eye on, I guess. Uh, Marcus Bailey also would have been limited yesterday with a knee injury. Don't forget about him as a special teams guy uh, that they would need. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Talking about Burrow and and the hits, I mean, he, we see the sacks and he takes seven hits in the game, seven real hits. Um, I kind of had the desire. I spent most of this week really trying to dive into a real offensive line assessment of what that debut looked like, what the concerns are with it going forward. And, and there's a number of different elements there. And kind of one of the interesting things that came out of it was, yes, five sacks is bad. Five sacks with only 27 attempts is worse. They had the worst uh, sack percentage in the league by a long shot. Um, and that part is not good. You know, you get free runners, guys just, you know, instantly winning and coming in without any help or any sense of somebody there to be a second wave. Those are issues. But the the deeper dive on it, to to maybe get to the truer stats and I, and I know this is this is not me making ex- maybe it is me making excuses for the offensive line i wanted to make sure we start with like the sacks are bad the amount of hits is bad none of that's great but we're talking about we're still we're not forgetting no donkeys just cuz we've we're the off season's over we're still we're trying to find this level of no donkeys i think if you look at really the total hits taken by a quarterback it ranks right in the middle in the re- with the rest of the league. Seven is a- about the average number that you saw across the league for every quarterback this week. Um, pressure percentage, you know, right in the middle there. You're, is, this was not some high amount. I mean, the, the actual pressure percentage put on Burrow was in the top half of the league uh, as far as protection goes. And so you're, you're, you're right in the middle. That's where they need to be. <laughs> they need, if their pressure percentage lives at 15 to seven, whatever the, you know, where they're at right in that middle spot all year, you feel okay with that. You need less of the actual sacks, but I, I think it, it made it look worse than it actually was. Yeah, and and some of it was communication, and you had that you had a good question of Zach about how much of that is just week one feeling it out, and and people forget, you know, it it took Joe Burrow a while to get up to speed, and and he only had the three preseason snaps. Trey Hopkins only had three preseason snaps, and he had far fewer camp reps than Joe Burrow. They they gave him a lot of time off, and and they used Billy Price as the the first string center a lot of the time, and um it. It does feel like a a week one hiccup more so than a a blaring siren that this is going to be an issue all year. But we'll see. I mean, you you you've got another huge challenge this week in Akeem Hicks coming right up the middle. You're probably going to see elite interior guys for a while. Pittsburgh, that whole D line is going to be a challenge. So it's they need to get it figured out this week uh, and and. Do it. I I don't know. I don't want to say quickly because I just said this week, but they, they, it is some. There's some urgency there. They've got to get it figured out, and you, you kind of 
feel like they will. You look at what Trey Hopkins has been through his career and you kind of give him that that week one pass after a, a stunted offseason coming off the ACL. Well, you know the Bears are going to be targeting him this week. Yep. I mean, sure. Akeem Hicks is the real game wrecker here. I mean, to, from my seat, um, you know, he's – we can talk all we want to about Khalil Mack, and that's, and that's very fair, and he can be very dangerous. Hicks is the one that can ruin your day this week because that's that's their strength on your weakness. That's the matchup problem. They need to be better. You know, Joe Mixon needs to be better with his eyes of seeing that, seeing guys coming through. Um, they need to be better at scheming up the middle to give help, and whether that's guards getting over or whatever and not leaving Trey Hopkins on an island. And that's what happened. I mean, you he was left on an island twice, and Michael Pierce got him twice. And, and they weren't able to, to really help out enough. They've gotta, they, they've gotta be better with that. You know, you can't have schemes that you get caught leaving Drew Sample on Daniel Hunter one on one, and he can't even get enough of them for the the second part of your help, Samaje Piran to get over. You know, which is what happened on 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 that sack, the one that actually landed on Burrow. And you know, because here's the thing: the good side is this: your tackles were outstanding. Jonah Williams and Riley Reef gave up zero pressures and 31 uh, pass block attempts. Zero. Riley Reef was a 100% win, per, win rate. Not even a single W against him. Not, you know, where a guy gets past him even though he doesn't get a pressure. It's just perfect. And that's ideal. The run game was great. It, it, it started slow. I think some of that was mixing early, kind of trying to get his tracks in the wide zone and all that stuff for the first time it wore down the vikings they by it went from three two three four yards to five seven ten yards you know by the time you got into that fourth quarter and and mixon is giving you 4.4 a clip if mixon is giving you games at 4.4 a clip whether you run it 29 times or 15 you are winning a lot because that coupled with this pass game can be really dangerous and and that was the wide the wide zone and some of that stuff looking really good. Frank Pollock showing up, right? I mean that that's great. What you saw with them ability to have run and the tackles look good. You have you, you worry about the scheme and you're worried about that interior line as we thought. Um, Suofilo had one where he, you know, the, the touchdown to T Higgins where Burrow takes a big shot because Suofilo got beat. You know how many times is that going to happen? You, you know, you, you, you're going to take hits and you're even going to take some sacks. You, you know, you just, you need those big hit numbers to, to be a little less, um, but it probably wasn't as bad as it actually looked when you talk about, you know, everybody crushing them for all the sacks and they're going to get bro killed and this, that, and the other. No. And, and it probably would have looked worse had it been what we saw last year where he's dropping back. 35, 40, 50, 60 times in a game. Yeah. It, it could have got really ugly. So that was that Mixon was the key piece there and getting that running game going. And, you know, you just you just kind of cross your fingers that the the interior of the line can can get it figured out and and get that get the pass rush slowed down before something does happen, before he takes a big hit that that causes him to to miss a snap or two or maybe more. Yeah, I mean Every game can't look like that. No. There is no doubt, but you hope that the fact that it was, man, tackles were great. We think we know who Trey Hopkins is. You don't, you're hoping that that's not going to be who he is, and, and then you feel like you have the the no donkey set up, and if they play at that level, you should be able to move the ball, and they did sc- still score 27 points um, on the Vikings. So see where we go from there. Um, Jay, you've got some stats for me, I think. I do. Let's, Imagine let's, this. We're talking about two and O stats. The chance ooh, to go two and O. Two um, and O stats. So they're they're happy for now. And you, I know you're going to have. I assume you're going to have sad too, right? They they are they are happy in the in the sense that you know two and O. That's as good as you can get. Uh, I looked at a couple of things. First of all, I went back to 1990 when the, the they went to the 12 team playoff set um, set up. And yes, it's 14 now, but that's not a big enough sample size. So since 1990, teams that start 2-0 and make the playoffs 62.7% of the time. 
That's a lot on the line this week against Chicago, you would think. But this franchise has started 2-0 14 times, and they've made the playoff seven. So they're they're down in the 50% range when they start 2-0. And in the Mike Brown era, started in 1992 with that famous 2-0 start from Dave Shula. Since 1992, they've started 2-0 eight times and only made the playoffs three of those seasons when they started 2-0. That's 37.5%. So around the league, 2-0 almost is a six, almost a two out of three chance of making the, the playoffs. Here in Cincinnati, it's closer to one out of three, but you'll take it. I mean, if you can go 2-0, we've, we've talked about this so much it, 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 with the early part of this season setting up for success, and it, you can see the confidence really having a chance to start to catch and and this this team starting to build something and they are underdogs at chicago but they were underdogs last week they've won three of the last four games when they've been underdogs of three points or more Um, this will be a chance to make it four and one evan mcpherson was on the pat mcafee show this week and he had one which is always entertaining and i i enjoy him ripping the Bengals for not having an indoor practice facility at every single possible turn uh deserved on that but the interesting thing that he said was, you know, the the best way I can tell you about things here is that Clark and Kevin, Clark Harris and Kevin Huber, who have been here, I believe actually, um, you know, s- since Mike Brown took over. I mean, it's it, they're, <laughs> they've been here forever. Say it's different here right this year than it has ever been hmm. as far as the vibe, the happiness. People love coming to work. They like each other. They're they're hanging. I mean, even more so than under Marvin. I mean, they go all the way, all the way back to Kevin in 08, 09. And, you know, you're, that's, to me, that speaks volume. I mean, these guys have, they know this world. It's like us. They've been here longer than us, Jay. They know the inside of that locker room. They know what it feels like. They know what it's like to be a, a, a Bengal. And to say that, um, I, and I've heard that. You know, I, I, in just in, in passing conversations with people organizationally, I tend to take that with a grain of salt this time of year. I feel like you hear that sometimes a lot, um, but it has, you have heard it way more. And before the win, I mean, this went back to just during camp, just how different the vibe felt and, how, and, and, and maybe you could really feel that, you know, the real culture stuff that you've been talking about, about people that love coming to work, that love competing, that that like legitimately like each other. You know, we heard Joe Mixon talk a lot about that and, and, and other guys, and, and maybe that's real. I mean, and, and I think that when you couple that with two and O, um, I think that can be a, a whole mood, if you will, as the kids would say. Well, it better be. Um, because you, are you ready for sad stats? Yeah, let's go. Let's get sad. Let's, let's <laughs> enough happy. That was way too optimistic. <laughs> the, uh, under Zach in September on the road, Bengals are 0-4 and one. On the road overall, they are one nineteen and one in their last twenty one road games. Not good at all. This would actually be if if they can beat Chicago because the last road game they played was in Houston and they won that game last year. This would be only their second two game road winning streak. Since AJ McCarron was the quarterback in 2015, Ooh. they won. They they won at Cleveland with Andy. They won at San Francisco with AJ McCarron. Uh, the only other time they won two in a row on the road in that stretch is kind of like this year, where it's split seasons. It was the finale against the Ravens in 17, and the opener at Indy in 18. Um, so they their road game history is is not great at all, and it's not just in the Zach era. It goes all the way back to the end of that that five straight playoff run that they had. Um, that'll be something to keep an eye on because they're they're It's not just going on the road. It's going in into the road on the road with actual fans last year, never had to go silent count, never had to deal with that, that energy of momentum that the, the home team gets from the crowd. That's all going to be in play Sunday in Chicago. You know what bad teams do Jay lose on the road. <laughs> yes. They lose on the road a lot. It's when you've got a bad team who's been bad for a long time, they, they're very bad on the road usually. And that tells and that's that. But I do think that's a big, it's a big part of any team turning things around 
is the ability to go into somebody else's house uh, on a home opener and, and win a tilt. You know, it's 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 hashtag win a tilt season almost, isn't it? I mean, it's like there's really there's no excuses. Uh, you've got a team, the Bears, who have their issues, and you need to go in there and win, and it can really set you up. It can really, really set you up for everything that you want this year to be. Um, all right, and can they do it? Well, there's no better place to to discuss that than going to Chicago um, and, and bringing in our guy Kevin Fishbane, who's amongst a host of people that are based there and, and cover the Bears. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about what Sunday is going to look like, and specifically from inside Chicago's room. Kevin, how are you this morning? I'm good, Jay. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, glad to have you. Chicago is one of our favorite trips every year, so we are really looking forward to this. And I'm not going to throw you a curveball right off the bat. I think the obvious question that anybody in Cincinnati wants to know is, is how is Dalton looking, how short is leash, and how much might we see Justin Fields on Sunday? You know, I guess I don't know exactly the ebbs and flows of Cincinnati's you know relationship with Andy Dalton when he was there. Obviously, there was some love, there was some hate, what have you, like it was with a lot of those teams. I don't know if there's a single Andy Dalton fan in Chicago <laughs> outside <laughs> of Hallis Hall. And that's nothing like necessarily against Andy Dalton. I, I think every, I think everybody agrees he's better than Nick Foles. He's better than Mitch Trubisky, low bar. But um, nobody wants him to be quarterback. Everybody wants Justin Fields. And it's going to be really interesting on, on Sunday because... The second that Fields is going to come on the field at some point. We saw that last week. He had five snaps. I would expect more this week. The second that Fields takes the field, the place is going to absolutely erupt. And when Dolan comes back on the field, they're going to boo him. He could be 10 for 10 with two touchdowns at that point. And that's just what's going to happen. So, you know, it's interesting. You look back at that week one game. It was obviously ugly. You don't put a ton on any doll. They threw a bad interception in the red zone. But otherwise, they moved the ball pretty well. They were decent on third down. They just couldn't convert in Rams territory. You know, the 0 for 3 on fourth down. Um, and and the defense was abysmal. So what's interesting is you look at Andy Dalton in a vacuum, like, he's fine. He, he's, he's just like a lot of quarterbacks this town has had. He's perfectly fine. You can win with him. Um, but unfortunately for Andy Dalton, everybody cares about the guy behind him. Do you think they're they're holding Justin Fields back because they don't think he's ready yet, or is it just a, simply a case of they they right now they think Andy gives them a better chance to win? I think they are not willing to put up with the 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 rookie hiccups that are going to come with Justin Fields. Like you know, with with you guys and, and, and Joe Burrow, obviously totally different situation because the number one pick for the what was the worst team in football. So like, there's a no no brainer new coach, all that. This, you have a coach and GM who's, you know, we don't know their contract situations. It's been this weird secret, but the expectation is these guys need to make the playoffs. And so a lot of rookie quarterbacks, you see those, I guess it'd be a 6-11 and 11 season, 7-10. and 10. You see, and, and that might be what they would get with Fields because he'd have these great games. He'd have these okay games, um, just like we've seen with Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson, all those things. So I think they know that that's what Justin Fields might look like as a rookie, and they want to go 10 and 7 like they want to go 11 and 6 and they think Andy Dalton can get them there because he's not going to make those rookie mistakes that Justin Fields might make the problem is that this team is just not good enough around either quarterback to sustain that How, what's the offensive line look like right now I mean it, there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, you know we live similar lives here in Cincinnati and Chicago uh, of of wondering what's going to happen up front and how it's going to look, and there is more injuries. I mean, is there a sense that it might be okay, or is that still just a massive question mark? You know, sometimes you could just write down a team's outlook and try to guess if it's Bears, Bengals, Browns, Lions, Bills, right? For the last you know thirty years. Yep. Uh, you know the the offensive line held up a lot better than I think a lot of us expected against the Rams. There was a really bad sack on a first down play when the the one time the Bears wanted to go downfield, um, but otherwise they they held Aaron Donald pretty much in check. And um, you know I know I watched a little bit of the Bengals Vikings. There were too many penalty flags, so I turned it off. 
Um, but the you know that interior line for Cincinnati looked pretty good, um, and that's probably the where the Bears are strongest is on the, with with their guards in their center. Jason Peters practiced Wednesday, which was a little surprising because he left the game with a quad injury, didn't return. Um, he did fine. I mean, he's thirty nine. Like, so you just don't know how long he can hold up for, but he's also Jason Peters. Uh, right tackle Jermaine Fetty is okay. Like, the whole group is just below average as, as, a, as a unit. So, like, there's obviously going to be a lot of work to protect them. But from a run-blocking standpoint, they obviously did their job because Dave Montgomery had a great day. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, you know, going back to what I was talking about with the quarterbacks, like, they don't have the offensive line to support somebody like Andy Dalton, who's not very mobile, or necessarily to protect somebody like Justin Fields, who might need a little bit longer to go through his reads. I mean, what happens if Peters can't go or if he goes down again? Like Jenkins is on IR and Borum's out as well, correct? So what, yeah. what would he do at left tackle? Yeah, so it'll be Elijah Wilkinson, who interestingly started camp as the first team left tackle because Tevin Jenkins was out. They didn't really know what they had yet in Larry Borum, and and they didn't have Jason Peters. So the first day we were out there, Elijah Wilkinson, who was a swing tackle for the Broncos for four years, was the starting left tackle. And they were really, like going into camp, they were convinced he could actually compete with Tevin Jenkins before they knew about his injury to be the starter. That obviously didn't work. And when Elijah Wilkinson went out, uh, he was on the COVID list. They tried Larry Borum a left tackle, and he was outstanding in one day of practice and then he got a concussion. Like, that's just the way the Bears tackle situation went. I think they had five or six different guys play left tackle throughout camp with the first team. So, yeah, it'll be Wilkinson if Peters can't go, if he goes down at some point. They see they, they seem pleased the way he played in Los Angeles. Again, none of us really know or can have high expectations about what he can do in a game. I mean, this is a guy who went from, again, first string to third string in the span of, you know, three, four weeks at camp. And now he could be back in the first string role at some point. All right, let's just take a quick break. The biggest thing that the the Bengals offense needs to worry about is Khalil Mack. I was kind of looking, I know Paul and I were both looking at this, at, at how the, the Bears use him, whether it's left side, right side. And it seemed like early when he first got there, it was kind of 50-50. And now it's almost all coming off of that left side, which means Riley Reef gets a heavy dose of him. Do, do you have any games that stand out or do you remember how those two kind of went head to head at all Has is mac got the best of reef Has reef got the best of mac i think there's actually a viral uh gif somewhere of mac putting reef on his back um and getting to matthew stafford uh from a couple years ago and i'd have to go look that up but there was a there was a game when detroit was here where mac just dominated and, and I feel like Arif was a victim of a clip that went all over Twitter. Um, and that was one of those Mac games. And the Bears need one of those. And the problem is that he, you guys saw it, he had one tackle on Sunday night. That was it. Um, and, you know, look, every team chips him, double teams him. A lot of teams will line up their tight end kind of not in line, but like really close to the line. So that way, Max got to line up kind of as far as they can get him. So they're doing everything they can. I think from a Bears perspective, you're like, well, it's still Khalil Mack. It shouldn't be a, it shouldn't matter what another team does. Like he should still find his way to get to the quarterback. I think the, you know, the Rams obviously had a great offensive game plan, got the ball out quickly, got Stafford moving. Um, this should be a better matchup for Khalil Mack. But there's a lot of skepticism in this town right now about whether or not he can be Khalil Mack. You know, we just haven't seen it consistently enough over the past two years. I mean, not only Mack, you have Quinn on the. There's just there's so much money at the highest paid defensive line in the league, but they're all older guys, and so there's like this question of how much is left in the tank on this line. To me, the scariest guy for the Bengals and the game changer in this game is Akeem Hicks because. That's where they hits the Bengals' weakness in on the interior, and I mean Michael Pierce just owned Trey Hopkins in the opener twice for big sacks right up the middle. How, how where is he still kind of look like that guy? And do do you feel like the Bears kind of look at this weekend as a Hicks game in that respect? Yeah, you know Hicks was their best player on defense, certainly a, of, among the pass rushers against LA, 
And Robert Quinn is very lucky that the official scorekeeper split Akeem Hicks's sack with Quinn. There was like Quinn just happened to kind of be in the neighborhood at the same time. Um, but you know, I talk about Khalil Mack, you know, not putting out the production we're used to. Quinn's been, a, you know, just a disaster of a free agent signing. But Hicks has been consistent. I mean, he led the team in quarterback hits last year. He just hasn't aged. We haven't seen that affect him at all. So yeah, I think you're right. He is going to be the one who can really wreck the game. And I don't know if you guys have noted, have paid attention to this at all, but it's been a weird deal with Mac or with excuse me with Akeem Hicks. He hasn't talked to the media at all this entire year. And then finally on Tuesday, he had a charity event in the city, and he talked to the reporters that were there for the first time. And he kind of said that his reasoning, which I don't know 100 percent by, was that you know he's he's in a contract, he's at the last year of his contract, he wants an extension, it hasn't come, he just didn't really want to talk about it. I, I don't 100 percent buy that. Um, but it's just it seems like the guy is super, super, super motivated. Uh, and we saw that in week one in L.A., and I imagine he's going to be just like that uh, this Sunday at home. I want to go back to what you said about you know Andy Dalton getting booed. Maybe that's more a case of them booing Matt Nagy than they would be Andy Dalton. Um, what, what is the relationship there? Because we saw that this it was such a huge advantage for the Bengals this past week to finally have a full stadium again and to have that home field advantage. And maybe that's something that may not be in place if the crowd turns on the Bears early. What what is where is the fan base with him right now, and how hot is his seat right now? Jay, I can't write a single thing about the Bears without <laughs> the entire comment section ripping Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace. I mean, and it's been like that for two years now. Like it's just he is. I guess there was like he's in a McDonald's commercial that just came out this week, which is just terrible timing. And I mean, it's just become like the the butt of the joke in this town. It, it's like the, an incredible fall from grace from a guy who was coach of the year in 2018 and can do no wrong. Um, the problem with Matt Nagy is, you know, so much about him is his offensive scheme, right? He brought this from Andy Reid. This is his version of it, the West Coast. That's why he's here. He's going to be creative. He's going to be aggressive. And this offense has just been bad. It's been bad. Really, you know, the first year it was it was good, but they had amazing field position all the time with a historic defense, and they caught everybody off guard. So now... You know, he hasn't had great quarterback play or offensive line play for sure. But, you know, you see these plays, it's just like, get that out of the playbook. Like, why is this still here? Um, so I think I think 100% fans are completely fed up with just about everybody in the organization at this point, <laughs> which is amazing for a team that made the playoffs two out of the last three years. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I feel like you guys probably went this at times through the Marvin Lewis era, right, where they were consistently making the playoffs but never winning playoff games, and you're always like, this is, you know, should we really be excited about this? And there was always wondering if Marvin Lewis is on the hot seat. You know, I, th- this is just, I, I think what, what you know, the, the difference is certainly between Matt Nagy and Marvin Lewis is there's just, you know, Matt is very confident. And he's very stubborn. Um, and that doesn't play well when you're not winning in this town. And I don't think Marvin Lewis actually came ever came across like that. You know, just different personalities. Uh, so yeah, I think you make a good point. When when they're booing, it's like it's like nothing against you, Andy Dalton. We just hate this entire <laughs> plan and the people who are running this plan. Like you're a perfectly nice guy. We get it. You have great hair, you know, all these things. But we just don't like the people who are in charge who have made the decision to pay you $10 million and put you out there. I mean, is he is he bringing positive attention to the big red beard or does he feel like he's killing it for everyone that's trying to have one, Kevin? You know, he's joining a beat that has a several ginger beat writers, myself included. Uh, I wish I had like an eighth of the hair that he has instead of it's like almost all gone. Um, so I, I think it's been it's been certainly uh, maybe the thing that that uh, Andy Dalton's getting the most respect for in town. <laughs> you know, nobody want you know because again, people don't want to talk about him as the quarterback, but like, hey, look at this guy, and, and you know, look, Jay Cutler. Very average quarterback at times, but always, you know, last couple of years he had outstanding hair. It's just yeah. what people kind of uh, decided to go to when they talked about him. You know, it's funny, guys. There was a moment early in camp where Dalton had one of those practices where he completed like four deep balls. And I was like, whoa, like this guy, you know, there was so much flack about this. We had no idea what to expect. I'm like, he's pretty good. Like all of camp, 
those of us who are out there, we're trying to tell all the fans, we get why Dalton's starting. Like, he's not losing the job. He was doing nothing in practice to lose the job. Um, he was doing exactly what you could. You thought the coaches wanted out of him. But the problem was then you kept seeing Fields do things every day. And then you saw Fields in the preseason. And then you see Fields in these limited snaps. They just give you this taste, this little tease. And it's just going to continue. And, like, if you asked me in mid-July when's Justin Fields going to start, I probably would have said November, right? We did a roundtable a couple weeks ago. I said week four. Like, I just don't know. Like, if this team needs to make the playoffs. And if you're 0-2 after this week, maybe it's week three. If you're 1-2, like, it's just, I just don't know how much rope they really have with this team, with this record, and how long they can go, even if Andy Dalton's doing fine. Because the problem is Andy Dalton, as you guys know, you all covered him for a while, he doesn't take you to that next level. And Justin Fields has the ability to take you to that next level. Probably not as a rookie, not with this roster, but one day. And it's just how, you know, how patient can what is usually an impatient head coach be uh, with this whole situation. If you have NASCAR fans, <laughs> you say you, you need a great car. You, you need a perfect car for Andy Dalton, right? But you don't, could be, but you need a great driver if your car is not super. And yeah, I think that's the difference. You know, you're to, you don't, you know, he's not driving a great car right now. You know, and this best his outlier season here was 2015 with AJ Green and Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu and Tyler Eifert and Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler, uh, you know, and Andre Smith and and Hugh Jackson was his play caller and all and he had a great car and and they were undefeated and he was great and it was all oh, Andy Dalton got to have a great car for Andy and or else but it's also hard to be the 20th best quarterback in the NFL <laughs> it is like to get to be at that level that I think that's why he's going to have a career that's going to sustain probably for another six seven years somewhere oh yeah I mean like like the, the Bears are very adept at having quarterbacks like Andy Dalton who that perfect <laughs> description Paul and just a guy you, you just want in your building because everybody likes the guy like that like the Bears are really good at that granted they had Jay Cutler for a long time, who didn't necessarily fit that <laughs> description in some ways. Um, but yeah, like that's that. Like Dal- Dalton is—he's Nick Foles. He's in a way Mitch Trubisky. He's Josh McCown. He's Jim Miller. He's Shane Matthews. Like you go through like the long list. Like he's a really friendly Jim McMahon. I mean, you could just go down the line <laughs> of like decades of Bears quarterbacks and be like, yeah, Andy Dalton totally fits. Like that's that's you know who. Like what this team has had at this position for so, so long, which is why everybody just wants to see Fields, who is going to be the one that's different. Yeah, Chicago and Cincinnati, very, very different towns, but the, the situations sound so much, so very familiar. Uh, Kevin, really appreciate you jumping on with us this morning and uh, do look forward to seeing you Sunday in the press box. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Always great talking to and the other ginger beard in Chicago, <laughs> Kevin Fishbane. Uh, I love it. That's a thing. Like, there's just like a host of ginger beard people who are like writing loving things about Andy because, you know, the evil, evil Andy Dalton who's still nicer than 99% of the rest of us. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see Andy and see how many snaps Justin Fields takes and all that stuff that is going to be a, a big part of Sunday. We also have. A run passer boot Sunday, Jay. You want to try to get into a run passer boot action? Yeah, I do. Um, All right. What do you got? It, it, going back to Evan McPherson, the AFC special teams player of the week, um, which will be higher on Sunday. Evan McPherson made kicks, f- field goals and extra points. Jamar Chase catches or Khalil Mack pressures. This is a good one. Jay, you've outdone yourself on this one. <laughs> so last week, that was 5-5-1. Five, five, yes. Chase with five catches, McPherson five kicks. Khalil Mack just had one pressure against L.A. There's a lot of people, you know, as, as Kevin was saying, wondering, what was, uh, what was that? <laughs> Where, where's Khalil Mack? Um, he'll be going up against Riley Reef. Um, who actually has had some success uh, against Khalil Mack. A lot of it, I think a lot of people um, – organization let me just say this line that kept going through my my head as i was researching the story and kind of doing some some stuff on the offensive line imagine how you'd feel this week if bobby hart was your right tackle Ooh. 
<laughs> There's a reason that you love having Riley Reef here, and this would be one. Because otherwise, you'd be watching Hart versus Mac with Joe Burrow's <laughs> knee on the line all, all day. That's no fun. Um, I honestly wonder how much they'll move Mac around and maybe even throw him on some stuff into the middle, you know, some twists in, inside yeah. to try to get him working on those guards and center a little bit. But anyway, um, that's a it's a good question. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, McPherson kicks. I'm gonna run with McPherson kicks, and I am going to, I'm gonna pass on chase catches, and I'm gonna I, I, I against my own. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm gonna boot Mac pressures. I don't feel good about any of this. Um, I do think there's going to be a bunch of kicks. I, I think they'll score. I mean, I, I think that they'll score. I think that, you know, he's going to be active. And I think after last week now, I think what you're going to see, my prediction for this game is going to be, I think you're going to see a Tyler Boyd game. I think you're going to see a lot of tension on the outside because of what Higgins and Chase were able to do. And Chicago has problems at slot corner. And, you know, we we saw a lot of their a lot of the Rams work come out of the slot last week. I think Tyler Boyd might be the one to go off more so than than Chase, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm going the opposite of you. I I think it's gonna I'm gonna run with with Mac pressures. I think Fair. they're gonna find a way to get him back there. Um, being at home, the Bengals are gonna have to use the silent cadence that they never had to use once last year. Um, you know, Joe Burrow probably had to use it on at SEC venues in college, but. Um, it's going to be something new. They put him under center a lot more last week. There's just a lot, a lot more different to this. Um, and I, I just feel like Khalil Mack's not a guy that's going to have two clunkers in a row. Um, even if it's not against Riley Reef, if they, like you said, use some stunts, bring him up the middle, or if he does beat Reef, I mean, he's, he has four career sacks against Minnesota since he came to Chicago. Um, so I, I think that's the, the higher number. Um, I'm, I'm going to, pass on chase catches i think he's in that three four five range again and and i'll boot mcpherson kicks i, I think this is just going to be one of those like you said in the preseason where every preseason game feels like 1912 i think it's going to be that kind of game like a grinded out low scoring uh game and you know if if the Bengals are fortunate enough to punch a couple in the end zone that's that's two field goals and then or two extra points and maybe one field goal so I'll run with the Mac pressures, boot chase catches, and or uh, run with Mac pressures, pass on chase catches, and boot the McPherson field goal or McPherson kicks. Okay, have fun playing at home. Fun bar bet for <laughs> you guys. Um, speaking of bar bets, Bengals Growler bet is back. Shout out to all the winners that came and collected at our event at Fifty West. Yeah, uh, that was cool for everybody that came down and was able to walk out with beers in their hand, um, and, and they put in the work. You know, and, uh, and 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 came out, and that could be you. You could come down to our next live event at Fifty West and walk out with beer in your hand that you didn't pay for, without getting arrested, and that's great. Uh, so we're gonna go this week. Remember hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. It's the only way we'll see it all there together. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet or email me uh, pdaner at theathletic.com. Your answer has to have Growler in the subject header. That's how I find it. Growler in the subject header. Pdaner at theathletic.com or hashtag Bengals Growler bet on Twitter. It's where we'll find your submissions. Must submit by one o'clock. If you win, the delicious 50 West, 50 West has all kinds of good stuff going on right now. Uh, Home Sweet Home is like the best fall beer, I think, in the city. I love Home Sweet Home. Uh, it will be in cans, by the way, soon, which you should keep an eye out for in your local store. Uh, they'll have Christmas cookie as you start getting later. They, they just got so much good stuff going on right now. Um, their Chilla Coffee store is up and kicking. They had like a sand volleyball tournament like out in Main Street in front of them. Like They just shut down the street <laughs> and had a sand volleyball tournament right in front of 50 West out there, which is awesome. Jay, you would have loved that. I'm surprised you weren't there trying to sub in. I didn't know about it. I should have yeah. paid attention. <laughs> uh, so always great to to try to to try to uh, get some Fifty West involved. So this week, what is the differential in passing yards 
between Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow. So I need to know who who's going to have more and by how much. So your answer could be, for example, Jay, what do you got? I'm going Burrow by fifty. Mm, Burrow by fifty, right on, right on that nice even number for you. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be Burrow too. I think he's gonna. I think they're going to have a big day. Um, I'm going to say Burrow. Burrow by seventy eight. Burrow by plus 78. Uh, so you submit if you think you maybe think it's Dalton plus 140. Maybe that's your answer. Uh, whatever it is, it's the differential in passing yards between Andy Dalton and Joe Burrow. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter or email me, pdaner at theathletic.com with Growler in the subject header and your answer in the email. Okay, prediction time. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen Sunday and why. Jay, you want to kick it off? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bears 19, Bengals 17. I just until they win on the road consistently, I, I don't know that I can pick them on the road, even though it's against a team that that may not have. We, we keep talking about how they're going to be facing this hostile crowd for the first time. May not be the case if the Bengals get off to an early start, as Kevin Kevin said, the Boo Birds might be out. But I just I think. Chicago is is desperate and they are at home and I think they figure out a way to to pull this one out. I don't think they're going to steam the roll the Bengals, but I, I do think they pull it out. Nineteen seventeen. This is like the ultimate reverse motivation week where team that gets their butt kicked on the road on national television in week one comes back and plays pissed off, uh, you know, at home in week two. Team that wins at home a game that let's be honest they got kind of gifted at the end. Uh, feeling themselves a little too much that they show up drunk on Monday and don't practice on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe aren't quite as into it week two as they should have been. Uh, you know, you kind of, you wonder if that's going to be the case. Yet, I just liked so much of what we saw out of the offense and I didn't like so much of what I saw watching the Bears. Them getting beat on a lot of explosives um the rams ability to turn up the running game late on them and the the bears situation on their offensive line you know you look for potentially a big day from Trey Hendrickson uh coming off the edge on whatever's going to be happening at tackle I mean I remember watching Jason Peters try to block Carl Lawson last year and it was just pressure every single down so if that's the their answer you know you got to feel like that could be a long day uh so I got Bengals 27, Bears 20. I, I I think they go in and do it. I think it feels different. I think they got Joe Burrow, and and that's going to be a big part of it, and I look for a big day from Tyler Boyd. That's my thoughts. Um, certain to go wrong. So you and I on the opposite end of it. You and yeah. I on the opposite end. Although I should just listen to myself. I mean – <laughs> I know. I mean, everything I said before I actually picked them to win makes me think that I'm just an idiot, which is possibly very true. Um, all right, so that's Sunday. Uh, looking forward to, we'll of course have the walkout from Chicago. Jay and I uh, both will be there and ship that back to you. You can listen to that after the game. We'll get that posted. And uh, all your coverage you need. Remember, that that subscription to The Athletic, the deal, 50% off for new subscribers, is running out very, very soon. If Just go click on our links or go to the site or go to hear that podcast ground on The Athletic, uh, which you can get listen to this with no ads or any other junk um, on there on our player so subscribe and uh, get that deal before it goes away. Highly recommend that. Otherwise, we're out of here. Thanks everyone for listening. We will uh, talk to you Sunday night after the game. Enjoy it, everybody. Everybody.